Thank God once again, and this is Pastor Adams, president and founder of Truth Matters Ministries in Atlanta. So thankful, so delighted and honored that you've taken time to join this Truth Matters podcast. There's so many things that you could have been doing, so many things and so many places you could have been, but you've given us the privilege to be host in attendance of this very vital ministry of contending for the faith that has once and for all been delivered into the saints according to Jude 3. And we've been in a series entitled The Watchtower, Full of Darkness. And we're going to be continuing on today in this very important exposition and examination of the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. But before we do, we want to pause and pray. Father, we thank you once again for your abundant love. We thank you for your abiding faithfulness. We thank you, Lord God, for your consistency. We thank you, Lord, because we know that you're immutable. We give your name praise today because we know that we can stand in our kinship. We can stand upon the fact that you've redeemed us, you've reconciled us. Lord, we thank you that you are our substitute. You are our high priest, our intercessor. And we thank you today, Lord God, that you reign forever and ever. We can rest assured that you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You'll be with us always, even until the end of the age. We thank you today, Lord God, that your word is reliable. Let someone be saved. Let someone be touched. Let someone's life be enriched. Let the body of Christ be equipped that they might be able to stand and to give well-reasoned and relevant responses to the errors of the Watchtower and Bible Tract Society. And it's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen. And we're so mindful of the words that were spoken by Mark Twain. Mark Twain said that a lie will travel all around the world before truth can ever put its boots on. So true are the words of Benjamin Franklin. He said, half a truth is nothing but a great big lie. And today in this Truth Matters podcast, we want to reveal some of the great big lies that's the Watchtower Bible and Track and society has perpetrated upon the world. As we continue in our exposition and teaching on the Trinity, we're going to look at a very important verse. And we want you to make sure that you get your pens out, get your Bibles out. We want you to make sure that you take time and really understand this. This is so important because through understanding the text that we'll be covering, it's going to allow you to unravel the deception and all of the sabotage that the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society has perpetrated upon the world. Now, when we read John 1 and 1, in the King James Version, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Weiss translation says, In the beginning the Word was existing, and the Word was in fellowship with God the Father, and the Word was as to his essence, absolute deity. The Amplified Version reads this way. It says, In the beginning, before all time, was the Word Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. It's very vital to mention that the contributing scholars to these translations are some of the world's foremost Hebrew and Greek scholars. Who were some of them? Frances Seward, who had her literary bachelor's, her bachelor's of divinity, her master's, and also her doctorate in divinity. 
Also, J.H. Thayer. Another contributor to these translations was A.T. Robertson, E.C. Colwell, and as I've mentioned before, the Michael Jordan, the Albert Einstein of Hebrew and Greek words and letters, Dr. Julius Manti, and Kenneth Weath himself. See, the Watchtower has been negligent in its spiritual fiduciary responsibility. And by being so, they oppose the clear teachings of Scripture in an effort to maintain organizational views. And we've already talked about the credibility and the lack of scholarship in the New World Translation, but here's how the New World Translation renders the verse John 1.1. Listen to it. In the beginning, the Word was, and the Word was with God, And the word was a little g-o-d. See, the Greek reads in John 1.1, In the beginning or origin, Greek arche, was the word logos. And the word was with God, tantheon. And the word was God, theos. Contrary to the emphatic diaglot, and the New World Translation, the Greek construction leaves no other possible rendering of the text. I want you to really listen and let the truth make you free. Listen, the subject of the sentence is word or logos. The verb was, there can be no direct object following was. Since according to the grammatical usage of intransitive verbs, they take no objects, but instead they predicate nominatives. Now we're just going to go back to grammar for a little while. And since they predicate nominatives, which refer back to the subject, in this case, word or logos, the Greek scholar E.C. Colwell formulated a rule that clearly states that a definite predicate nominative, in this case, Theos or God, never takes an article when it precedes the verb was, as we find in John 1.1. So in my listening audience, it's easy to see that no article is needed for Theos or, or God. And to translate it, a God, is both incorrect grammar and poor Greek at best. Since theos is the predicate nominative of was in the third sentence clause of the verse and must refer back to the subject or word or logos. Or we can just say Jesus Christ. If he is the word made flesh according to John 1 and 14, it can be no one else except God, unless the Greek text and consequently the word of God be denied. I think it's very important that everyone in my listening audience, I want you to listen to this over. You can pause and go back and study each component and content of the grammatical construction of John 1.1. And we can lay to rest forever any credibility 
or having any confidence in the very shoddy and very amateurous and incompetence surrounding the New World Translation's rendering of John 1.1. The Watchtower claims that their rendering is correct, but remember, they don't have any scholars. I think it's important that we read Vine's comments on Theos and Vine's expository dictionary of New Testament words. On page 500, Vine says, Now concerning John 1, 1, to translate it literally a God was the word is misleading. Moreover, W.E. Vine says the word is the subject of the sentence. It exemplifies the rule that this subject is determined by its having the article when the predicate is anathoros, without an article. See, the New World Translation is correct in the first portion of the text where they rendered in the beginning was the word. The Bible teaches as well as a New World Translation that Jesus is the beginning, according to Colossians 1 and 18. This fact that the word was here in the beginning is established in John 1 and 14, where it says, <clears throat> excuse me, the word that was here in the beginning was Christ. Genesis 1 and 1 tells us that in the beginning God created. So we can deduce that Jesus the word was the creator in the beginning. In John 1, 1, the New World Translation claims the absence of the definite article requires the translation, a God. But see, the problem with that is that there are several verses where the absence of the definite article is present. But the text makes no sense. The New World Translation does not do that when it translates Matthew 3, 9. I want you to look these verses up. Matthew 6 and 24. Luke 1 and 35, also in verse 78, John 1, 16, 1 and 6, also verses 12 through 13 and verse 18, and then Romans 1 through verse 7, and then verse 17. And since they don't do it in any of those verses, can you honestly render Theos a God in John 1, 1? and then render it of God in Matthew 3, 3, 9 and Luke 1 and 35, also in John 1 and 6. Because if you're going to render it a God in John 1, 1, you have to render it a God in all the other texts. We could list at great length, but we suggest that consultation of the Greek New Testament by, New Testament by either D. Edwin Nessel or Westcott and Hort in conjunction with the elements of Greek by Francis Kingley Ball on noun endings, etc. And they'll give you all of the credible, scholarly information you need to understand grammatical positioning and structure within New Testament words instead of being deceived by the very amateurish and shallow scholarship of the New World Translation Translation Committee. See, if Jehovah's Witnesses are insistent on their fallacious A-God rendition, then they at least should be consistent, right? The facts are the New World Translation uses and removes the articular emphasis wherever it suits their fancy, regardless of the grammatical laws to the contrary. The Watchtower has been notorious for half-quoting scholars to support their shoddy translations. Dr. Julius Manti said, 
he was quoted out of context by the Watchtower and wrote to them stating, There is no statement in our grammar that was ever meant to imply that a God was a permissible translation of John 1.1, and it is neither scholarly nor reasonable to translate John 1.1, the word was a God. With this mistranslation, the New World Translation introduced polytheism. What is that? Believing in more than one God into the Bible. See, Isaiah 44 and 6 states that there is no other God formed. There is no other God. The New World Translation, in its effort to demote Christ and to deprive him of his deity and to hide or sabotage the fact that there is a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit. They opened their door to heresy. How is that? By teaching that there is a big God and then there is a little God, Jesus Christ. Charles Darwin, he didn't believe that God created the universe, so he wrote a book called Origin of the Species, trying to explain the way the biblical account of creation. Darwin called cells simple, but Modern technology and atomic microscopes prove that Darwin's prejudices were not credible. Similarly, the Watchtower does not believe that Jesus is God, so they dismantle all verses that say otherwise. However, scholars prove that the New World Translation is absolutely not credible. The Bible does not teach that there are three gods. We know there's only one. The Bible tells us in John 1.1 that there are two persons who existed in the beginning and they are both called God. We're going to look at other texts that also tell us that the spirit is called God, but there is only one God. The body of believers has embraced this truth ever since the first century. The first thing we learn about God is he can do anything and that his ways are higher than ours. And with that in mind, it is possible that the father and his son can be of the same substance. See, the main characteristics of God is eternality. Isn't that right? Is it plausible that there can be more than one eternal person? Especially if the scriptures tell us that very definitively. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. If we look at this example, men conceive human sons genetically, right? And our sons are composed of the same DNA as our children. We have the same DNA, we have the same bone, we have the same blood. A man can genetically produce a son. Let me just say it this way. It's impossible for a man to genetically produce a son and that son be a different species than himself. So with that in mind, how then can God have a son that is not eternal? How can he have a son that is not composed of his same substance and be of his same essence? See, Jesus was not produced, nor did he proceed from the father. The point is, in a father-son relationship, they are of the same substance. The Watchtower teaches his followers that Jesus is a God, a mighty one. They also describe Jesus Christ and demote him to the Archangel Michael. That when he came into the earth, he was transformed into Christ. And after Calvary, he was transformed back into the Archangel Michael. 
the Bible paints quite a different picture of Michael. If you read in Daniel 10 and 13, it calls Michael one of many princesses. You see, Jesus could not be one of many since scripture gives Christ a very unique position with the Father. Jude 9 opens up the truth that the watchtower closes. Michael, an angel, was unable to oppose Satan. Read it for yourself. And he proclaimed, the Lord rebuke you. Now, if Michael and Christ were the same, it would be literally impossible. And it would also be heretical to suggest that Jesus had to say, the Lord rebuke you. This is not Christ. Jesus had complete authority over the devil. There is no place in scripture that teaches Christ was an angel. But if not for the slanted and biased attempt of the Watchtower to change our Bibles, this would not even be an item of discussion. Let's take a look at what the Bible says in St. John 8, 12 through 28. Here, Christ claims to be the light of the world and reveals that he and the Father are that judge and not believing that had eternal consequences. He stated in verse 21 that when they seek him, he would be in heaven and they can't come where he would be. He then revealed that if men did not believe that he was one with the Father, they would die in their sins. If one would read the context of John the chapter 8, one will see clearly that Jesus was making a distinction between those that are believers and those who were just religious, tainted by tradition, and also by erroneous teachings. Jesus also made it clear that those that did not see or believe that he was one with the Father, equal in quality, equal in character, and in essence, that they would die in their sins, demonstrating they are truly the ones who are not of God. Let's keep on reading. If you turn to John 8 and 58, it's another text that the New World Translation changed to fit their theology. Come on, put your seatbelts on in my listening audience. This is the truth and truth matters today. It reads in the King James Version, which utilized more than 50 Greek scholars in its translation. Jesus said to them, before Abraham was born, I am. When comparing this with the Septuagint translations of Ezekiel, excuse me, Exodus 3.14 and Isaiah 43 verse 10 through 13, we find the translation is identical. Any intelligent scholar recognizes that I am is synonymous with God. Jesus literally said to the Jews, I am Jehovah God. See, the Jews understood exactly the meaning that Christ was implicating. Why? They took up stones to kill him for blasphemy. See, Jewish law gave five reasons for legal stoning. And remember, Jews were legalists. What was the first one? If you were involved with familiar spirits. Or number two, you would get stoned for cursing or blasphemy. Three, for being a false prophet. Four, for stubborn rebellion. And five, for adultery or rape. But the one that they perceived Christ violated was number two, blasphemy. Why? 
we understand that Jesus didn't really violate any law. The Jews, just as the Watchtower, did not believe Jesus was the Logos or God in the flesh. Jehovah's Witnesses declared that the Greek rendering of the term ego I me I am in John 8:58 is properly rendered in the perfect indefinite tense. Did y'all hear me? Which means I have been, not I am. But listen, accredited Greek scholars have unmasked this bold perversion of the watchtower, and they've exposed the grammatical error of the New World Translation. First, the New World Translation does not operate within standard rules of grammar when translating. See, in grammar, there are verbs, there are predicates, there's nouns, there's nominatives, there's conjunctions, there's future, past, and present tense, etc. So what did the New World Translation do here? The New World Translation invented a tense to alter the Holy Scriptures. Wow. The invented tense is called the imperfect indefinite tense. There's no such thing, so they invented that. Communities drive their cars with standard rules, and then there are standard signs. Even when I was overseas and living in Europe and Asia, they had international signs and laws and rules. We have to abide by rules, right? But the Jehovah's Witnesses have been told that a red light means, instead of stop, they think it means accelerate. So they accelerate and they go through the intersection and they get hit by an 18-wheeler right in the middle of the intersection. What's the point here? There must be standard basics in our terminology and in our definitions. The world can't operate on the premise that one plus one equals two. And the watchtower teaches that it equals three or five. If nouns are subjects, the watchtower must not define them as prepositions. I think you get the point. Dr. Robertson, who is quoted as an authoritative by the New World Translation, states, Imi is absolute. What does he mean by that? The phrase is used four times. John 8.24, John 8.58, 13, and 19, and John 18, verse 5. It is reference to the Septuagint, Deuteronomy 32, verse 39, also Isaiah 43 and 10, and Exodus 3 and 14. The phrase is used only to reiterate Jehovah's Lordship. The context is that Jesus knew the future, and only God has that attribute. See, this is clearly seen in John 13 and 19. The Watchtower claims that the use of I have been is permissible since the phrase is historical present. But here we go again with the red light meaning accelerate for the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. Standard grammars reserve the use of historical presence to narratives alone. John 8.58 is not a narrative, but a firm declaration that Jesus was the I am or the Ahia. And since Jehovah is the only I am, Jesus was claiming to be one with God the Father, co-equal, the fullness of the deity in the flesh. This is in harmony with the correct translation that we've already mentioned in John 1.1. I think it's so important that we as members of the body of Christ 
share these truths with our Jehovah Witness friends and relatives. Let's move on to Colossians 1, 15 through verse 17. It says that Jesus existed before all things. And it says that he created all things. Wow, this was a problem for the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. So the Watchtower inserted the word other to inject their theology into the text. This is like God saying all people, whether white, yellow, or black, are intelligent. And then someone adds a word, rendering it this way. All people, whether white, yellow, except blacks, are intelligent. By, wording, by inserting the word except, it changes everything about the statement. See, Colossians 1, 15 through 17 confirms that Jesus, as God, for if he existed before all things, he must be creator. Why is that? Because we got to catch this point. There are only two categories of beings. What's one? The creator. And what's the other one? The things that the creator created. Now, if Jesus was before all things, he could not be one of the created things. See, this proves categorically that Jesus is the creator. And today, it's so important as we look at texts such as Hebrews 1, 3 through 6, it tells us something. It says, the watchtower does not teach that Jesus, uh, that uh, the watchtower does not teach Jehovah's Witnesses that he, Christ, is the reflection of his glory and the exact representation of his very being, the New World Translation. See, this passage establishes beyond a doubt that Jesus is the same substance, essence as the Father. No creation is ever declared to be of God's very essence, which is the Greek word hypostasis. Therefore, the eternal word, who is the fullness of the Godhead or deity bodily, according to Colossians 2 and 9. See, the writer of Hebrews intended to portray Christ as Jehovah, or he never would have used such explicit language as the image imprinted by his substance. Thank God today that Jesus Christ is the very image imprinted by his substance. When we look at Philippians, the second chapter, the 10th and the 11th verse, it says, And every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord or God, to the glory of God the Father. When comparing this verse with Isaiah 45 and 23, make sure that you all look at, look at these and make sure that we do a comparisons. When you look at Isaiah 45 and 23, we can see Christ's deity just leap right out the pages. Why? Because Isaiah reveals that Jehovah and to Jehovah, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. This is a perfect alignment with John 1:14. God, the word became flesh. So Isaiah and Paul and John, they joined shoulder to shoulder in perfect harmony. And they were all correct in teaching that Jesus is Jehovah. And finally today, 
we think it's very important that we really understand that Jesus Christ is true God. He is the ego I me. He is the Aikya. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the ending. And besides Jesus Christ, there is no God. Now we thank you today for tuning into this Truth Matters podcast. And our intent is to not be condescending or to be inflammatory against the New World Translation or the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. But our intent is to be very firm and to be very bold and to be vigilant and standing for the truth. And when you stand for the truth, it automatically opposes and puts you in opposition to every lie. The Bible says, let God be true and let everything that man originates, designs, or create, let it be a lie. And today we thank you for tuning into this Truth Matters podcast. You pray for us and pray for the millions of Jehovah's Witnesses that have been shackled. Pray for them who've been deceived. Pray for them, Lord, that have been totally, totally shunned and separated and paralyzed by this very lethal theology spewing from the Watchtower and Bible and Track Society. You pray for us in Jesus' name. Amen.